Episode 28 Courage Today I continue my series of short episodes on the tenets of a warrior mindset. Back in episode 3, I spoke about five aspects that I believe are important. Composure is covered in episode 15 and episode 19 covers determination. So what is courage? Quite simply, courage is the ability to take action despite feeling fear. It is not the absence of fear as some people may think. Courage is really about managing your fear. Tony Blower treats the word fear as an acronym, F-E-A-R, meaning false expectations appearing real. In other words, the big scary thing you think will happen hasn't happened yet. In fact, you don't really know what will happen. You are making an assumption. You might be thinking, I am going to fall to my death. I am going to get hit by a car. I am going to get shot by the enemy. I am going to get blown up. I am going to get hit by my spouse. Now this is not to say they won't happen, but they haven't happened yet. If you let this assumption get planted in your mind, then your body starts to believe it's real in that moment and your physiology responds accordingly. Your heart starts thumping in your chest, your breathing quickens and becomes shallow. You have increased levels of alertness, you might experience clammy hands or increased sweating and your hands, arms and legs might begin trembling. You may feel nervous, anxious or even nauseous. Why is this happening when you perceive danger? Your hypothalamus, part of the limbic system at the brain's base, activates the sympathetic nervous system, also known as the fight or flight state. This in turn triggers your adrenal glands to release adrenaline into your bloodstream. It's your body's way to prepare for action. This change in physiology decreases sensitivity to pain, dilates your pupils to improve vision, to a point, I'll get back to that later, increases blood flow causing an increase in alertness, and to supply your skeletal muscles with the oxygen they are going to need. At the same time, normal movement of the intestines is inhibited, hence the butterflies in the stomach feeling, and your peripheral blood vessels are constricted to reduce bleeding should damage occur. This can last for a few minutes to an hour. It's designed to be short term, to get you out of harm's way at that moment. Now adrenaline is great stuff in small doses, over a short period of time. People are faster, stronger, more alert and able to tolerate physical pain much better while it flows in their blood. But it is only really designed to get you out of immediate danger. What if you are constantly perceiving a threat? If adrenaline is constantly being pumped into your blood, this leads to tunnel vision, so that your focus is narrowed and you lose peripheral vision. You lose fine motor control as your blood has been directed to large muscle groups and shallow breathing can lead to being lightheaded and dizzy if it goes on for too long. I like to think of adrenaline as nitrous oxide that is used in high performance car engines. Nitrous oxide is one of the simplest way to add power to your car. But it's not without risk. Increasing the amount of oxygen in the combustion chamber can cause serious engine damage if the air to fuel ratio becomes too lean. Drivers tend to use nitrous oxide in short bursts to make the most of the extra power but to save on engine wear. Adrenaline is kind of the same for humans. It's great in short bursts but if released over extended periods of time it can have negative effects. 
persistent surges of adrenaline can damage your blood vessels, increase your blood pressure and elevate your risk of heart attacks or stroke. It can also result in anxiety, weight gain, headaches and insomnia. In his book Spotting Danger Before It Spots You, Gary Quisenberry writes about four mental states that he considers toxic and counterproductive. These are fear, confusion, hesitation and surprise. Each of these mental states is a direct result of stress overload and an inability to deal with the stress-induced anxiety. He uses the example of the martial arts expert who, when confronted by a huge enraged gangbanger, finds themselves outmatched, causing them to panic and back down. How do you minimise these four toxic mental states? It all starts with becoming comfortable with stress. To help you control adrenaline, you'll need to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, also known as the rest and digest system. The rest and digest response is the opposite of the fight or flight response. It helps promote equilibrium in the body and allows your body to rest and repair itself. You can try the following. Deep breathing exercise, which I speak about uh, in episode 15. Meditation, yoga or tai chi, slow movement combined with deep breathing. Talk about your problems so you don't dwell on them. Eat well and exercise regularly. Limit caffeine, which is a stimulant. Limit alcohol, it's a depressant. And avoid bright lights or screens before bedtime to assure good sleep hygiene. Building courage is about managing fear so you reduce the impact of the adrenal dump. How do you train that? Well, let's start with some strategies you can use in a moment of crisis. Control breathing and compartmentalization. As I have mentioned before, box breathing is taught to many military groups and involves breathing in on a four count, holding it for the four count, breathing out for the four count, holding the four count and repeating. This slows your breathing, begins to activate your parasympathetic pathway and gives you some control of your body back. Compartmentalization is the act of pushing aside and isolating immediate emotional reactions so you can continue to act and make critical decisions. It's okay to do this in the short term, but healthy to address those responses at a later state when the danger has passed. I prefer the word Jocko Willink uses, detachment. He describes this as pulling yourself out of the details and prioritising the most critical task. When you learn to detach, especially amid high pressure situations, and focus efforts on the highest priority task, you remain calm. So now you have two strategies to use when the danger is upon you. What can you do as a long term strategy to manage your fear? Here is a maxim a friend of mine often says, train hard, fight easy. It's thrown around in the military a lot, and for a good reason. If you have drilled a certain set of responses into your body, when the time comes to react, your body just does it without overly complex thought. It's like a shortcut in your brain. You take that action without really thinking, and by taking that action, you take back some control of the situation, and that in itself can be calming. You are also using some of the energy that the stress response has triggered, Even people outside the military can use it. Practice using a fire extinguisher and have a family evacuation plan so in the moment of crisis, when a house fire starts, you know what to do and panic doesn't set in. Practice first aid. In fact, as I was writing the script for this episode, 
I happen to read back over a short first aid to-do list we keep on a shelf in our house. It has one-line reminders on how to treat burns, broken bones, chest pain, sprains and bleeding. It also has a quick CPR reference guide on the flip side. Reading over this again just reminded me of the skills required to treat those problems. So preparation takes away some of the stress of a situation. However, no matter how good the preparation, it will only ever provide tools or guidelines for you to follow when the moment strikes. No one can predict every situation. Another way to help reduce fear is something called stress inoculation. This is where a person is exposed slowly over time to a stronger and stronger stimulus. Let's take someone who is scared of heights. It would be counterproductive to tell them that tomorrow you're going to take them skydiving. The last thing they want to hear is that you're going to throw them out of a plane at great height. But you could start by making them, oh sorry, taking them to a high-rise building and get them to look out a window. If they experience any severe stress at that point, strategies can be taught to reduce this. This takes us back to breathing techniques, change of perception, visualisation and so on. Then you might get them up a ladder, slowly increasing the height over time. The stimulus can be continually increased until they may try bungee jumping or even a skydive. A key principle in stress inoculation is that the individual sees stresses as problems to be solved rather than mere obstacles. This gives the power back to the person and avoids a victim mentality, which is counter to the warrior mindset we are trying to build. And much like determination and resilience, I would like to add a caveat to managing fear. It is not always a general all-encompassing ability. People are stressed at different levels by different things. It can also change over time. I was certainly more physically fearless in my 20s than I am now in my 40s. However, my ability to publicly speak and manage people has grown, and I am more bold in that area. Courage is dynamic and situational. I like to think about courage as a skill that we must constantly practice so it doesn't deteriorate. This dovetails nicely with the saying, do something that scares you every day. Right, speaking of quotes, let's look at one for this episode. This one is from the American actor, John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death and settling up in a way. <laughs>